0: Hey, I'm Kelly McEvers, and Embedded is back. President Donald Trump has no record of public service, but he does have a record in business and on TV. In our latest round of stories, we introduce you to the people who were there as he built an empire and a name. Listen on the NPR One app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi,
1: Stephen. Hello, Linda.
0: Stephen, we are getting into one of our favorite shows today. It's the NBC comedy, The Good Place, which just started its second season.
1: That's right. It stars Kristen Bell and Ted Danson, and it's from one of the creators of Parks and Recreation and Brooklyn 9 You and I, both huge fans.
0: We absolutely are. It's funny and weird, and it's packed with jokes, and it's all about the afterlife. We've got a great panel here to talk about it, so don't go away.
1: Support for Pop Culture Happy Hour comes from Boomerang, a premium video subscription service offering timeless cartoons and new original animated series. All month long, Boomerang is celebrating Halloween by spotlighting spooky and hilarious animation during Scoobtober. Join Scooby-Doo and the gang as they solve mysteries about monsters, plus watch episodes, movies, and Halloween specials of Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz, Courage the Cowardly Dog, Bonicula, and more. Scream and stream your favorite classic and contemporary cartoons all Scoobtober long with Boomerang. You can find Boomerang on web, mobile, Apple TV, Amazon Fire, Roku, and Chromecast. Visit Boomerang.com promo and use the promo code HAPPY to start your free trial today.
0: Before we get started, let's introduce our other panelists. You know Glenn Weldon, who writes for NPR.org. Hi, Glenn. Hey, Linda. And with us this week from New York is our producer, Emeritus, and our good pal, Mike Katzef. Hi, buddy. Hi. So let's start with a basic description of the show. Kristen Bell plays a woman named Eleanor, who we meet when she wakes up and is informed that she's gone to heaven. Eleanor knows she was kind of a bad person, so she concludes there must have been a terrible mistake. And she sets out to become a better person so that she can deserve to be in heaven. Ted Danson plays Michael, who's essentially the mayor of her city in the afterlife. And she meets people like Chidi, a philosophy professor played by William Jackson Harper, Tahani, a glamorous philanthropist played by Jamila Jamil, and a silent monk we learn is named Jason, who's played by Manny Jacinto. And on hand at all times is Janet, played by Darcy Carden, who's Michael's highly unusual assistant. So, Stephen, what is it about this show that works so well for you?
1: Well... I've thought a lot about this show. I've been a a huge fan of this show since it it premiered, and I've gobbled up every episode, now to the point where I've probably seen most episodes of this show three, four, maybe five times. Mm -hmm. And what strikes me about it is, when you think about the pilot of a standard sitcom, you are setting up the universe and setting up who the characters are, and then you are essentially trying to achieve, by the end of your pilot, a, a certain amount of stasis. You've established a static setting in which these people can bounce off each other and create comedic situations what blows me away about this show is that instead of doing that they're frequently resetting the terms of the show throughout the first season we're going to try to avoid spoilers as much as possible but throughout the the first season you're constantly at the end of every episode thinking where are they going with this yeah and that continues into the second season. And and the question I've probably asked the most as I've watched this show is, how are they going to sustain this idea? Yeah. But then the idea keeps changing. Mm-hmm. And that is so novel to me. And if this were being done by anybody other than Michael Schur and Megan Amram and the amazing writers and cast of this show, I would be like, well, at some point, this is going to fly off the rails and I'm not going to like it anymore. They're going to go someplace I don't want them to go, but I'm going to enjoy it while it lasts. And I'm starting to settle into the idea that change is the stasis that most shows are are going for. That like the idea behind this show is it is going to keep pulling the rug out from under under you for however long this show
0: lasts. I love this show. Excellent. How about you, Glenn?
2: The thing that makes a sitcom a sitcom is, is its familiarity. You keep revisiting it. As, as Stephen was saying, you keep going back, revisiting the same characters, and you get that same feeling, right? Uh, I like the show in the first season. As of uh, episode three of season two, which is called Dance Dance Resolution, I love this show. Mm-hmm. Which goes to a, That episode goes to a Groundhog Day, Edge of Tomorrow place, where the engine of the show is repetition, but the fuel is how well we know these characters, right? right. Yeah. So it doesn't have to do a lot of the rote repetition that you expect an episode like that to do, simply because we've spent a season with these people getting to know them. This is the most serialized sitcom. In history, and I was trying to think if there's anything that was comparable, and then I realized that in many cases, this show spends up to two minutes of its what, 24-minute running time in previouslys, because it has to, mm-hmm. which is the which is the cost, right? What is happening on this sitcom is that characters are growing and changing, except for Jason, uh, <laughs> uh, and that's just not a thing we go to yeah. the network multi-camera sitcom for, and. What, it, what it's doing is it's taking uh, the thing that I love, which you don't often see in sitcoms, which is world building and mythology, mm-hmm. and fusing it to the thing I usually don't care about, relationships. Yeah. And so <laughs> this show is fusing those two things. So the mythology of the show is the relationships of these characters. So the thing that makes me love it is how much it risks going off the rails, which most, most sitcoms, I would argue, don't.
0: Yeah. Well, to me, what's interesting about it is that it is, in a lot of cases, you get a sitcom that's either very serialized or, like, just a joke machine, right. Mm-hmm. right? This one, to me, kind of balances those two things. It is highly serialized. It has a story. It has. It's full of ideas uh-huh. about people and characters. And ethics. Yeah. yeah. But it's also just, like, when you talk about that kind of Groundhog Day, Edge of Tomorrow thing— one of the great things about that is it's just a pile of jokes. Yeah. They uh-huh. keep returning to some of the same ideas and just redoing them in the same way that, like, sometimes if you watch outtakes of shows, you'll see that they did a bunch of alt versions of a line. Mm-hmm. This is like you get to see, like, 10 versions of the same idea because they keep <laughs> repeating it in different ways. Mike, are you a good place guy?
3: Oh, absolutely. Um, huge Michael Schur fan, for one. Yeah. So I think... I come to it from a a love of, like, the warmth and generosity that he gives to his characters. Uh, I sort of want to, like, back up to a point you made about how it burns through all these ideas by its resets, by reconfiguring the status quo. What I love about it is what that's doing in some ways is pulling the veil off of, like, this meta-contextual storytelling. It's kind of inviting us into the writer's room and seeing that they're trying ideas that might not sustain a full episode, but as a one-off joke within a context of a montage or something like that can still hit and they go, okay, we've checked this off the list. We see constant examples of things that we think will play out over the course of a season get condensed to one episode or information is revealed to a certain character or to us as the audience that we go, oh, I guess I thought that was going to take a couple episodes to play out. It's putting the audience in a place where like, our expectations based on the tropes of normal TV and drama and soap opera and all of these things, it's subverting it at every level. And so what's happening to me while I'm watching it is I'm sort of like deconstructing like the plot, like the world building, as as Glenn says, but it's also drawing me to the characters. So the familiarity of the characters uh, and the way that they're inevitably sort of drawn together is sort of the consistent tissue between it. You know, yeah. It's kind of about like these surrogate families. I mean, that's like a Cheers thing, but it's also a Brooklyn Nine-Nine thing. Mm-hmm. It's an office, yeah. a Parks and Rec thing,
0: yeah.
3: where those characters are this connective tissue where these are disparate characters who have no reason to be friends, to even know each other, be in each other's orbit, and they're smushed together, and antics obviously happen because it's a comedy, but ultimately they kind of become this surrogate family where... You know, we as an audience are drawn to them and we want to keep going to that place and follow them on all these twists and turns.
0: And there are certain things that I think when you know how television comedy generally works, there are certain things that you expect to happen. And like Mike said, some of that involves, well, eventually this is going to come out and it's going to affect these people in this way. And what's unpredictable is not those things coming out but both the pacing of it mm-hmm. is unpredictable because yeah, yeah. as Mike was saying, sometimes things happen sooner or later than you expect, but also the kind of the manner in which those things happen manages to still often be surprising, and it doesn't always come at an obvious moment. There's a lot of playing around with the idea of heaven. Mm-hmm, um, yeah. I think that I think that Scher and his writers have a lot of just like have had a lot of just funny conversations about what heaven would be like, particularly with Restaurants. They love <laughs> oh, man. restaurant yeah. jokes. And this was one where Megan Amram sort of tweeted yeah. recently the list of pun restaurant names <laughs> that she came up with. My personal favorite being Kanish from a Rose. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but like there were a whole bunch. She wrote like, like
3: hundreds like a, of
0: them. A, it's got yeah. a little bit
1: of that Bob's Burgers. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. they love restaurant puns almost as much as Bob's Burgers does. It
0: does. And I will add one other thing is similar to Brooklyn Nine Nine, it's a show that has kind of an effortlessly uncommented upon diverse cast. Yeah.
2: yeah.
1: Well, and you touched on it Linda about the the rotating restaurant names and and certain elements of the show that are just joke dispensers. The sense of detail on this show. This is That's, one of yeah. This is one of the most freeze-frameable shows mm-hmm. I've seen and and if you want to know whether you're in or you're out on this show, just watch the first episode. The pilot of this show is about as good a pilot as I've seen. And there are several bits in the pilot. There's like an informational video and they're showing like what acts get you into heaven, what acts, you know, uh, subtract from that. And it's this screen that just expands behind him of all these things that are good behavior and all these things that are bad behavior. And it's yeah. joke after joke, after joke, after joke. And they are little in jokes, like, if you're a fan of Mike Schur, like, Linda, you've been on the podcast that Mike Schur is on. And with Joe uh, With Joe
0: Poznanski, with Joe
1: Poznanski. Yeah. And they've talked about uh, supporting the Cleveland Browns. And there's, yeah. like, a little stayed loyal to the Cleveland Browns was, yeah. like, one of the things that helps you get into heaven. Like, yeah. they're all these little Easter eggs. And they're so funny. And you just stop and freeze frame
2: it and study it in a way you do with so few shows. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We talked about the scripts. We talked about the structure. We have touched on the cast. But let's go deep on this, yeah. Yeah. On this cast. Yeah. The thing that's going to make this show last, uh, I think achieve some of the upper echelons of sitcom history, is the casting. The fact that there's a joke, the joke's good... The line delivery is what sells it. I could live inside a delivery from one of the most minor characters in the main cast, Jason, uh, played by many Jacinto. I love uh,
1: him so much.
2: He gives a line a spin that makes you want to crawl inside it. It's, yeah. it's just... And, and can we talk about an even minor character who's only appeared in a few episodes, Mindy St. Clair, played <laughs> by played by Meredith Monroe. She is doing so much with, you know, not a lot of 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 script, you know, you know inches, but so much. And you know, it took me a while actually to to warm up to this show, I think in the first season because my love for Kristen Bell, my love for Veronica Mars goes so deep that seeing her as a horrible person is just like hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Not there yet. Mm -hmm. But uh, she sells it. And uh, everybody, there's not a weak link in this cast. Everybody gets spin to put on on this dialogue in a way that makes you treasure that character.
0: Yeah. And I have to say, Kristen Bell, very well known for Veronica Mars. Not, you know, her first fame was not in sitcoms. Ted Danson's first big Mm -hmm. fame was in sitcoms, Mm -hmm. right? Because he was on Cheers. And then he went off and did a lot of uh, dramatic work, right. among other sure. things. He, he almost had to in... burn
3: through all that Sam Malone. You right. Know? Mm-hmm.
0: It's, it's it's interesting because I think you might be right that it would have been hard for him to, to... I mean, he did Becker and mm-hmm. other right. stuff, but to have anything that was as beloved as that. But when you see him in this, the thing I love about it is I will freely admit that I, I watched and loved Cheers for the entire time it was on. And he has an entire reserve of comedic juice that I really never appreciated until this show. Um, There is a kind of goofy dorky Uh quality in him that he's able to call upon for this role that you only ever saw occasionally they did things on cheers where sam would get really frustrated and he would sort of flail (laughs) and then you would see it but this show brings out way more of that as you say everybody on it is so good. There's that Darcy Carden oh my God. Uh, <laughs> role as Janet. That is the, like next level. <laughs> and it's like she's sort of the, the. I don't want to explain it too much, but she's sort of like the magical assistant mm-hmm. of Michael, the Ted and boss character. But she's so funny so in so this weird. way that is always truthful to the fact that they've set her up to be a certain kind of quote unquote character and I think as with a lot of sure shows have followed this pattern, once they start to see people and what they're good at, I yeah. think he's particularly good at steering into what people are good at yeah. once he sees it.
1: I also want to talk about William Jackson Harper yep. as Cheaty who is just, I uh-huh. find him so intensely likable. Uh-huh. I seriously, I could, go on, on. I could go on and on. I love this show so much.
2: There's a couple things you want to hunt down online if you can. One is this uh, shot that uh, Kristen Bell took of the cast being informed of what, oh, <laughs> of how, how the show is going to reset yeah. in the second season. Yeah. That is a treasure. Yeah. <laughs> the other thing is that, speaking of Darcy Carden, in one episode she has to do a series of uh, physical stunts, face uh-huh, plants. Yeah. And there is a shot of how they did that stunt. It's fascinating because you can get, you see a little hop that Ted Danson <laughs> does once the faceplant is done that just just makes you love both characters even more.
0: Yeah. Mike, who do you love in this cast that we haven't talked about?
3: <laughs> yeah, we haven't talked about Tahani. I think there's a sense that all these characters by being in the good place right are the best people we can be and we slowly realize that each one of these characters and especially Tahani are flawed in certain ways Mm -hmm. and to varying degrees of good and bad, I guess. And there's a sense that with her character arc, that people can do good things, but maybe not for the correct motives. Right. And that adds like a lot of nuance to her character in particular. But I think almost every one of these characters has reasons for behaving the way that they have to end up where they have. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the character
2: is tricky because uh, in another universe, this could be played very straight. Uh, mm-hmm. She's the conventionally beautiful one. And, there's, and that's what you get. Right, but very as, glam. Very yeah. glam. But as soon as you get her delivering... The line "cargo shorts." Yeah, um, <laughs> she she's just that's what does it.
0: They do sort of have an embarrassment of riches in yeah. the yeah. past, yeah. Up, yeah. because on top of all of this, we haven't even talked about the fact that you know you get Mark Evan Jackson. You get Mark oh. Evan Jackson, who's one of our great comedic weapons. character actors. But well, but, just like a weapon that you add to any show and it's yep. instantly better. Yep. There was a whole run by Adam Scott in the mm-hmm. first season. Yeah. They just <laughs> there are a gazillion people who have shown up uh, in this show in various. Capacities, and I think definitely we would recommend catching up on yes. it and getting to know it better. You can catch up on the first season on Netflix, and uh, the current season is, is airing on NBC. So come and find us on Facebook at facebook.com/pchh and tell us what you think of The Good Place, or tweet at us at pchh. Thank you so much to all of you guys for being here. Thank you. Thank you. And thanks to all of you for listening, and we will see you later this week.